Here's the deal. This is our last Sunday in our Exodus series. We are going to be hitting um, parts of Exodus uh, in the new year. We're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments together. I remember back uh, to this summer where our whole push was that you guys would know your story. That in like 45 seconds you'd be able to share your story to other people. Do you guys remember that? Shake your head. You remember the story, the origin stories, the whole series. If you um, weren't a part of that or, or weren't into, um, weren't I kind of hear when that was happening, um, come talk to me or one of your leaders. That's the, one of the most valuable things. We've gotten so many um, people. Um, I was talking to a student last week who was just saying how helpful it was to actually process through their story and be able to, to, to share that with people. Um, so that was our big push. And for November and December, you, the, big, the big thing is that you would use your gifts. Everyone say, use your gifts. And to use your gifts... You have to know what they are. And when I was a freshman in high school, uh, freshman and sophomore in high school, I would come to church and I would sit down and I would leave and I really felt um, like I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And there was kind of this change around the end of sophomore year into junior year where I stopped just going to church and I started being the church. Right? I stopped seeing service as just something that I did and it was some, like a person that I was. I was a servant because of what Jesus did, and I started living that out in my life. Not perfectly, but I, I was able to see some of the gifts that God had, had given me, and I started doing that. And actually, my, um, a lot of my like, negative emotions started to go down in that season because I, I was so focused on myself. And then I, when I started to learn how God could use me to serve other people, it became about other people and how I could love them. Um, and so this is going to be a powerful um, season, these next two months, November, December, in a season where, honestly, a lot of us start to think about what are we going to get for Christmas, and a lot of it's about consuming and about us. This is going to be a season where we um, step back and we say, how has God gifted me specifically? So uh, we're actually creating this really cool survey that we're going to be rolling out. Um, at the end of it, you'll be able to have really practical ways for you to do that. So that's next Sunday. We're launching the vision for that. You're going to hear testimonies from your leaders sharing about how they've been using their gifts. It's going to be just an awesome couple months. So we're doing that next Sunday. We're launching that. Um, and then um, the first uh, two Sundays of November, I'm really excited. What we're doing is we're going to be doing Seminar Sundays. And Seminar Sundays is where you get to come and you get to choose your own adventure. So we'll have three seminars offered each Sunday. So you might have a seminar on like science and faith. You might, we're doing one on Christian cults. So like, um, like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness. We're going to be doing one on like women in church leadership. We're going to be doing um, one on... Uh, anxiety and depression, like all these d different topics. I think there's going to be like five or six. And those two Sundays, you get to choose. So you can't hear them all, but you can't talk to your friends who went to someone else. You can, you can share what you were learning, but you get to choose where you're going. So it's Choose Your Own Adventure, Seminar Sundays, first two Sundays of November. So that, those are going to be awesome. We'll tell you more about what those are specifically so you can kind of get ready in your mind which one you're going to do. Because you can't do them all, Alex. I'm sorry. So... <laughs> So today we're ending, uh, we're kind of ending our thing in Exodus. You have a fun little, uh, if you can see it, it's kind of small. This is your little comic strip at the end where you can see where we are, um, that there's this confrontation between God and Pharaoh that, uh, that Moses says, let my people go. And over and over again, Pharaoh uh, says no. One time he's like, okay, fine, you can go. And then he changes his mind and he sends all these plagues. So last week we talked about the three main plagues. There's actually, um, there's a, a bunch of other plagues that, that, that are right there. So you can see those. Um, and right here, we're going to be in the, the last and final um, plague that God sends um, to prove who he is. Um, and and that is, um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, um, but here's the deal. Today, as we're ending, um, this is probably the most important thing that we're going to talk about. 
um, it's, if you miss what's happening here, you've missed everything. Like, have you ever had one of those moments where you totally missed the point of everything? Um, like, someone's going through instructions, and you missed completely everything. You, you ended up creating something that was, like, not even, like, what the project was, and you, right? Um, when I was in, it's my freshman year of college, first of all, I was not a super great student in high school. Here's my personality. I go all in, or I'm like, I don't really care. Anyone else like that? Like, you're like, I'm going to get 100%, do everything, or you're just like, I'm just going to, like, I don't know, scribble over here. That's who I was. And so, like, um, my senior year, I started to get, like, really, like, just over school. And um, I remember one teacher was like, <laughs> just bless you. One teacher said, bless you. Um, but a teacher was like, you know, the, the way that you study in high school, like, it's not always the way that you are in college. And some people achieve in college, and they didn't achieve in high school. And I was like, I'm going to be the success story who achieves in college. And I'm going to, you know. And, and so my first class that I was in in college, I just, like, I, I studied my heart out for the first exam that we had. And I, I remember, um, this is actually my first test when I was at Point Loma. And I, I remember, like, there was a bunk bed, and the bottom part didn't have a bed, and so I covered it with blankets, and I hid in there, and I studied while all my roommates went surfing because I wanted to get a good grade on this first test. And, and so I was sitting there, and if you ever had one of those tests where you feel like um, all the answers were basically what was on the study guide, and you're like, this is so easy, blah, blah, oh, try to trick me? Nope, just going for it. That's what I was. And I felt awesome about this test. Turned it in. And then, uh, like a week and a half later, we were getting passed uh, pass back our, our tests. And I, I didn't get my test back. And I was getting kind of nervous. Um, like, did I not turn it in? Like, what happened? Um, and I was like, hey, do you, know where my, do you know where my test is? You know? And then um, the teacher says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joel, come, come up to the front. Come up here. So I walked up to the front of the class. Super embarrassing. Um, and the, the teacher looks at me and says, Everyone, Joel, um, Joel did something amazing. Joel got the best grade on the test in the entire class. He got 100%. It's like 103% because it's like a bonus question. Joel got 103%. But it's sad because no one will ever know that he did because he forgot his name. <laughs> so... Remember when people are like, when you go to college, they're not going to let you just write your name after, like, you know, if you miss it. They didn't. I got a zero on this thing. Teacher was ruthless. But the whole thing was, I had, I had gotten all the answers, but I had missed my name. I know. That's why I ended up leaving Point Limit. Just kidding. Um, no, that was not the reason. So here's the deal. Some of us... I'm kind of afraid because some of us, we can know the right answers to things. Um, when it comes to faith, we know the answers. We know what our small group leaders want us to say. We, and the answer is a lot of the time Jesus, um, which we make fun of, but it's actually kind of cool if you think about it. Um, but we, I feel like it, 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 can, it, it makes me nervous that sometimes we know all the right answers when it comes to our faith, when it comes to Christianity. But what if we know the answers and we've missed the most important thing? We know the answers, but we've missed what was first, what was essential. And so if you miss what's in the story today, you've missed everything. You can, there's people who go to church their whole life, and they miss this. I talk to people over and over who, who go to college, and they're like, I was going to church, and I, you know, blah, 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 and then I got to college, and then I finally got what this whole thing was about, and it changed everything. And it's like, you can go to church every single Sunday, 
and you can have a, a family that's Christian. You can do all that stuff, but you can miss. And then there's a point, hopefully, where the light turns on and you see what this is all about. So if you miss this, you miss everything. And we're in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Um, what we're going to talk about, this is the foundation. This is central to the Christian faith. It's also central to the Jewish faith, but there's one main difference. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Exodus 12. If you don't, um, you can listen along. Um, if you have a Bible app, you can open that up too. So Exodus 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. What does he do take? Lamb. lamb. Good, you're tracking. One for each household. If any one household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor. That's really sweet. Um, having taken into account the number of people that there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. Everyone say defect. defect. Cool. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That, that same night, they eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over the fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why are they eating it fast? Because they're about to be saved. They're about to head out. No time for yeast. We're about to head out. No time to, to let it rise. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt, lowercase gods. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Um, here's the first thing I want you to notice. Um, this plague that, that comes, the one, this destroyer, um, the, some people call it the angel of death that comes to take every firstborn, which is interesting. You're taking the firstborn because in this culture, all of the affluence, all of the money, all of the status, the family line is transferred by who? The firstborn. So you take out the firstborn, you're taking out basically people's life insurance. You're taking out, they, they had put all of their hope. I mean, some of you guys feel like maybe your parents put a lot of pressure on you. Dude, back in this culture, so much pressure put on the firstborn to carry on that line. Um, and so they're taking out the firstborn. The firstborn of who? Everyone. Everyone. Animals. Dude, the animals don't get off. The, 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 the Egyptians and, and the Hebrews. Firstborn, um, they're all in the same boat. The angel of death is going to pass over all of them. The, God doesn't make a distinction between them. And, and so the first thing that I, I wanted to look at is that they're all in the same boat. And you can put this. We're all in the same boat. We all have sinned. That's the, the point. We all have sinned. The Israelites deserve judgment. The Egyptians deserve judgment. Everyone has sinned. We're all in the same boat. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. If you were to put like a tape recorder, right, because we have this for the podcast, um, if you were to put this on and every single day have this and you're wearing it, and you were to just record every time that you critiqued somebody else, 
or every time that you said, oh, why, why don't they do it like this? Or I can't believe that they did this. Or every time that we gossip about other people. If you just recorded every time we, we, we critiqued someone, and then at the end of your life, they were to play it back in some sick, twisted way, and <laughs> would anyone be able to stand their own criticism? Would anyone be able to stand their own criticism? Bless you. Even by our own standards, all right? Even by your own critique of other people, we all fall short of even our own idea of what good should be. Are you tracking with this? We have all fallen short of that. The Bible says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and, you know, I kind of think about, like, sometimes we're like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. That's like two murderers standing next to each other in a prison, and one murderer is like, well, at least I didn't kill the whole family. I just killed this one person. Like, we're, that, that's a crazy example. But we are all broken and sinful. So you stare at somebody else, and you're like, well, at least I'm not them. In that moment, we're actually also self-righteous, which Scripture says that that's a sin, right? So the moment that we're judging someone else is the moment that we're self-righteous and we're sinning. So you calling out someone else's sin in a way that's not building them up is actually sin, which is crazy to think about. Um, and, and so a lot of us, we're like, well, at least, at least we're not like them. Um, and, and this is something I was thinking also about it, like Hitler and Mother Teresa, if you know Mother Teresa, she worked in Calcutta. She was this uh, amazing woman that helped the poor. This is something that you... Mother Teresa and Hitler all have in common. You are all sinners, and you're all broken. And you might be like, okay, maybe Mother Teresa, she's this good. Maybe Hitler's like, maybe he's like that good. Maybe one time he did something good. And then and Mother Teresa's like this good, and maybe you're like right here. And you're like, oh, that's, that's really good. And maybe me being good is good enough. But perfection, God's perfection is the moon. So imagine you were to call like NASA in, and you're like, dude, NASA, I figured out this way to get to the moon. I was able to get this far. I know Mother Teresa got this, I got this far, and I, I can tell you how I did it. NASA doesn't care. NASA's like, we're going to the moon, right? Like us trying to argue that we're good enough based off of what we do, it's like us trying to tell NASA how to get to the moon based off what we've done. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Um, it's like you standing before like Mount Everest and trying to like, I don't know, talk about how good you look. It's like, no, before Mount Everest, you shut up and you're in awe of that. Before something great, and, and, and that's who God is. And, and we, so we should stop pretending like, like we're, we're not sinners. We're all in the same boat. So everyone take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're in the boat with me. All right. Second thing. We all deserve death. We all deserve death. We all deserve death. All deserve death. Um, here's the thing about sin. Sin is not just something that we do. Sin is not just an action. Sin is, sin is who we are. Sin is like a disease that impacts our attitudes, our emotions. It impacts our motivations. Sin is like this disease. Okay, so you weren't a sinner when you decided to sin when you were four years old. You were born into sin. You were born into it. It's our condition. You can't outrun it. We all deserve death because we've been um we've been sentenced with um the sentence of sin um so we all deserve death and so that for for us that's we experience spiritual death um and we need christ to make us alive and we also at the end of our life we will experience death um if we're not in christ because um because sin has entered the world um and um i was watching this movie that i hadn't seen and i'm not going to give it away but basically it, the whole the whole movie you're following this kid and at the end of the movie you realize um, the kid's been dead the whole time, if you know what movie I'm talking about. And so, oh, shoot, you give it away. 
Oh, the guy's dead the whole time? Anyways. Thanks, Maya. Um, I don't watch scary movies, by the way. Um, so anyways, this guy has been dead the whole time. And um, it's really interesting, because there are those movies where like, there's a twist at the end of the movie, and then you look back to the whole movie, and like everything changes. And you're like, he wasn't really talking to her, because he was dead the whole time. Right? You go back, and you watch the different scenes in the movie, and because of what happened at the end, it changes everything. Um, and us realizing that we're dead and we're in sin, like there's moments where, like when I, when I look back to my freshman and sophomore year of high school, there were moments where I was trying to get approval from other people, that I was trying to figure out who I was, and now I look back and I'm like, dude, I was just dead the whole time. Like I look back on those things before I gave like my life fully to Christ, and I just felt like I was just dead the whole time. So here's the crazy thing. Right now, you can be in this room, coming to church, and you can be spiritually dead and not know it. Spiritually dead and not know it. Um, but Christ has come to make us alive. Um, so we all have sinned. We all deserve death. Third thing, we all need a substitute. Cool. This is where we come into our passage right here. Um, so they put the blood on the door frames. It's not just to paint their doors. They could have used red paint. They're doing it because they need a sacrifice. They need a sacrifice. And so they sacrifice um, a firstborn lamb. Um, and so the, the, um, the angel of death is going to come and is going to pass over. And they took this unblemished lamb from their family um, and they used it and they killed it. And, they, um, and, and here's what's interesting. On the day after this happened, every single family, every single family in all of Egypt has something dead. The question is, is it a dead lamb or is it a dead human? Is it a dead lamb or is it a dead child? Like, can you imagine waking up that morning and you're the firstborn child and you wake up and you walk out and right there there's the dead, the dead lamb and you, and, or the, like what's left over? And you're like, that should have been me. That, that should have been me. Like, isn't that crazy to think about? Um, but there's this sense that, that we needed, a, that they needed a substitute, a substitute for their sins. Um, and so, but, but here's the deal. We know that the blood of a simple lamb isn't enough. You can write that. The simple lamb isn't enough. It's pretty funny. Like a lamb, like a lamb is like the weakest creature in the world. There's no way a lamb can like can count for all of the sins of someone's life. Like a lamb isn't enough. Um, but a lamb was always to point to the lamb who is Jesus. So the solution is Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what John the Baptist says. When John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so this whole thing about Passover and this lamb, it's cool, but it's actually a pointer towards something else. There was always um, unfinished business to do. Um, and so there's this scene. Um, there's this scene, and it's um, you know, thousands of years after the Exodus. And it's Jesus, and he's gathered together with all of his disciples. And they're having Passover, because there's this Passover meal. What is the Passover to remember? This event. It's to remember how the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites who put the, the blood on the house. Um, and what's crazy is Jesus sits down, and they have, they have the bread. And the bread, it, it, it's meant to symbolize you know, that, that bread that the Egyptians baked and how, how they left. And, and he takes the bread 
But instead of the bread symbolizing the Israelites' affliction in the wilderness, the bread, he says, is my body that's broken for you. So what is he doing? He's taking the central thing of the Jewish faith and he's redefining it. He's fulfilling it. And then he takes the blood. And the blood is supposed to be the blood of the lamb, the blood of atonement, the blood that would cleanse. Because it was kind of weird, but back then they saw that they'd actually take blood and they'd sprinkle it everywhere. And like that blood was meant to cleanse the lamb, was meant to cleanse them from sin. And so instead of saying this is the blood of the lamb that was shed to go over our, our doorpost, they, he said, this is the blood of my new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. And if you were sitting at communion, or if you're, plot twist, it becomes communion. If you're sitting at Passover, you have the bread, and you have uh, the wine, but there's something missing. What's missing? The lamb. The lamb is missing. At these Passover meals, to remember Passover, they would have a lamb. It's literally like you getting handed an In-N-Out burger, and they forget the meat inside. Can you eat that and feel good? Can you imagine like the, the OCD people who are at this Passover with Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, you forgot the lamb. You forgot the lamb. Here's the bread. Here's the wine. Where's the lamb? We've done this hundreds of times. This is central to our faith for us to remember that God delivered us from death to life. Because the lamb, here's the thing, the lamb isn't on the table because the lamb is at the table. The lamb is Jesus. The lamb is Jesus. Boom. Plot twist. Um, the lamb is Jesus. He is the whole point. And so here's the thing. Jesus changes. And this, that was actually the story of basically the last um, the last Passover, because from then forward, Christians would gather together, and they would remember what Jesus had done, and that became communion. Um, and so that's why we have communion together um, every month. So um, the lamb was a shadow. Jesus was the substance. Our firstborn sons, they didn't need to die. Why? Because Jesus was the firstborn son of God, right? So we, we hear that sometimes. We hear that language, right? His only son. Well, does that mean that he was born? Jesus has always existed. He's all, God has always existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but Jesus did become human. He's the firstborn son of God. Um, the communion is the fulfillment of Passover. And it's crazy. If you were Israel, if someone were to ask you your story, what would they say? If you were Israel, you would say, I experienced death and slavery, and God heard my cry, and by the blood of the Lamb, he brought me out. And rescue me. And I'm in the wilderness now and I'm wandering around, but there's a day where he's going to bring me to the promised land. See, do you get that the story of Israel is our story? That we were stuck and dead in our slavery and sin. And then by the blood of Jesus the Lamb, he has brought us out. And right now you might feel like your life is a wilderness and you don't know where you're going and what life's about, but you know that there's a day he's going to bring you towards the promised land. Do you get that like those stories are the same? And so Jesus is the story that changes how you see all other things. All other things. Um, because now death cannot pass over you. Um, death passes over you. So, hey, as we, as we close out today, um, we need to get this. We need to not miss this. I was um, listening to a story um, about um, a, mom and, uh, a mom and her son. And the, the father had passed away because of cancer. And um, basically what, what had happened is they, like the son was having a, a really hard time grasping with this reality. Um, grasping that, that, that his dad was gone. And one day he was, um, they were out, uh, and the son ran out into the middle of the street, and there was this huge bus that just is like coming down. It's really hard for buses to stop. I'm trying to take my bus license right now. It's like learning how like hard it is for buses to stop. And um, so 
uh, basically, like they're, they're running out, um, and the, father, uh, the mother is chasing the son, and she barely gets to him and grabs him and pulls him back from this bus. And um, she's talking to her son, and the son is just freaking out, like, I can't believe I almost, I almost, I almost got hit. I almost, and then she says, she says this, the bus didn't hit you. Just the shadow of the bus hit you. The bus didn't hit you. Just the shadow of the bus hit you. And she said, that's the same for your dad. Death didn't hit him. The shadow of death hit him. And I know it's scary, but death didn't hit him. And for people who are in Christ, death doesn't hit you. The shadow of death does. The fear of death does. But death has passed over you when you're in Christ. And that's really good news. So you might have fear, but this is where our confidence is. This is, if we miss this, we miss everything. So let me pray for you. God, thank you for what you have done for us. And we know that so often we totally miss the point. And even this morning, maybe we've already... Um, We've already started to think about all the times that we've, we've missed um, who you are and what you've done for us. And God, thank you that you are so patient with us, that you want to show us grace, that you're the same God, the God that brought the Israelites out. You're the one, you're bringing us out of slavery. You're the one that's, that's offering us this, um, this new hope. And so for us, there's some of us today who haven't accepted this hope, we haven't accepted that you have done the work so that we wouldn't have to experience death. Um, and if that's us, Lord, we just want to say that we trust you. So we pray this in your name. Amen.